0: Hello and welcome to How to Be Fine. I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jolenta Greenberg.
2: And in each episode of How to Be Fine, we weigh in on what's happening in the world of happiness, health and betterment and offer a bit of advice to those who want it.
0: Now, full disclosure, we are not psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, or prescription writers, but we are experienced self-help critics. We've lived by the rules of nearly 100 self-help books for our other podcast, Buy the Book, right here in this feed. So we've tried on almost every kind of wellness trend out there.
2: And besides, we're not here promising to make you all the best, richest, happiest, coolest versions of yourself. Like, if all goes well... We'll just help you get a little bit closer to fine.
0: Lady Jolenta. We have a couple of great advice letters to get to later in the show. But first, as usual, we're kicking things off with our hot topic.
2: Yes, we are. And today's hot topic, Kristen, is
0: Nexium. Ooh, Nexium. We promised to talk about this in the very first episode of How to Be Fine. The day has arrived. It took a few months, but we are here. Yes. And I have so many questions. I'll let you take it away, Jolanta.
2: Right, right. The cult nexium, not the medication (laughs) nexium, is back in the news again. So it seemed like the right time to make good on our promise. How about talking about it? Yes. First of all, I do want to warn our listeners that in this episode, we do talk about sexual abuse. If you would need any resources on the subject, check out RAINN, R-A-I-N-N.org, or you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 800-656-HOPE. All right. With that out of the way, Kristen, I would like to start this hot topic with a story.
0: Ooh, I love a good story. Mm-hmm. And you always tell the best ones, Jolanta. All
2: right. Let's see how I do. Picture it,
0: (laughs) New York City,
2: 2010. I'm a struggling actor, barely making ends meet, working a handful of theater jobs. I haven't even met Kristen yet. It'll be two years before we meet. My best friend and I have scraped together our last few hundred bucks to pay for a scene study class with this well-known television actor. And while we're at the class, we meet a nice young woman who's also a student. I'm going to call her Ashley. And one day after class, my friend and I are getting a coffee with Ashley and she starts telling us about this amazing group of artists she's found. And she's talking about how they have workshops for actors and special groups just for women's empowerment. And it all sounds like very cool. And then she shows us the website for the the group and it is truly chic as fuck, Kristen. It is nice. There are good graphics. The fonts are delightful. And all the group descriptions sound like very inspiring. It looked like a safe haven full of smart, creative people. And to be honest, I was very upset that I had just spent all the money I had on that scene study class because that class cost a bit more than a weekend long intro course to join this like artist group.
0: So this group sounds expensive.
2: Yeah, it was like, I think it was like 500 for an intro weekend. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, it wasn't cheap. But we said we couldn't afford to go and sort of forgot about the whole thing until a few years later when my friend calls me and she goes, remember that artist collective Ashley was telling us about? An expose was written about it and turns out it was a cult. And that cult, Kristen, was Nexium.
0: Oh, Jolenta. <laughs> Jolenta. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jolenta. So if you would have had that extra $500. Who knows? We might be watching you in a documentary right oh, now. About who knows
2: what would have happened? But it was hard <laughs> to be like in the acting scene at all in the state of New York and not be approached about Nexium in some way, shape or form. Wow. And who knows, if I had the money, what would have happened?
0: (laughs) Luckily, I didn't. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So, continue. Yes. So,
2: let's get into some background. Nexium, as many of our listeners know, was a cult masquerading as a self-improvement program. And it started with this one guy, Keith Ranieri. And, you know, we always like to go to the source, whether we're talking about self-help books or like self-help groups. We like to examine, like, who started this? What's their actual background? Keith Ranieri claims he is a genius, a thought leader, a piano (laughs) prodigy, a judo champion. And um, all of this is hard to verify, actually.
0: The term thought leader just makes me want to punch a oh, wall. Yeah. What yeah. does it even mean? I what don't know. Mean?
2: At <laughs> one point, his followers like referred to him as like the most ethical man in the world. And it's like, how? How do you know? How is that confirmed? How
0: does one measure that?
2: Yeah. Wow. So he's really just a dude who came up in multi-level marketing companies. In the 80s, he was part of the infamous MLM company Amway. Mm-hmm. And then... In the 90s, he was determined to start his own MLM. So he started two different multi-level marketing companies. The first was a discount buy-in club that was shut down after being sued for using deceptive practices. And the other was a vitamin company, which failed after a few years. But in 1998, he sort of struck gold when he partnered with Nancy Salzman, who was a nurse that also had experience with hypnosis. And the two of them started the company Nexium and began offering self-improvement courses through their executive success program.
0: Oh, that sounds legit.
2: Yeah, you know it is. It's nice and vague and amorphous, so you know it's legit.
0: Something only a great thought leader could offer.
2: Right. And basically, they sold classes that they claimed could help you break free of self-destructive patterns, stop being a victim, and get the most out of your life. There were introductory workshops and different intensives that lasted anywhere from a weekend to 16 days, and they had different academic tracks with multiple classes to take in each track. There were the men's and women's groups, each with their own ladder of courses to climb, just an endless amount of courses. And most importantly, Kristen, they sold their teacher training, kind of like what you talked about in our first episode of How to Be Fine with the life coach training.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Sounds familiar.
2: Nexium was training teachers who were then sent out into the world to recruit more students who had then become teachers themselves and then went out and recruited even more students who also became teachers who also got students and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the teachers are always being encouraged to take more classes themselves to gain higher rank within the organization also, the more students you bring in, the higher the rank you get. And the higher the rank you are, the greater commission you get for each student you enroll. Supposedly, some teachers are getting up to 20% commission, which for, you know, a week-long intensive costing $10,000, like, it's a pretty okay commission.
0: Yeah, that's also what I would call a pyramid scheme.
2: Right, Yeah pretty much exactly. <laughs> and to sort of make Nexium more appealing and lucrative and to seem less like a pyramid scheme, Ranieri courted and enrolled lots of wealthy, high-profile people. Actors like Alison Mack from Smallville, Nikki Klein and Grace Park from Battlestar Galactica, and Bonnie Peace from Star Wars all became members. Clearly, Ranieri loved sci-fi. He recruited a lot of <laughs> sci-fi actors.
0: I was going to say, these are half of the shows that Dean used to love. I know. I know. <laughs> Me
2: too. He also enrolled socialites like Claire and Sarah Bronfman. And these are sisters who are heirs to the Seagram's fortune. They have big money behind them. And also India Oxenberg, who's the daughter of the dynasty star Catherine Oxenberg and granddaughter of Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia.
0: Oh, wow. He had quite the roster. Yeah. I guess the most ethical man in the world attracts the greatest actors in the world, right? Of course,
2: obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And within a few years, the group had almost 4,000 members, but their business model and culture were already being called into question. A 2003 Forbes article heavily implied that the group's worship of Ranieri was kind of problematic. Kind (laughs) of. Yeah. And the article quoted Edgar Bronfman Sr., the father of Claire and Sarah Bronfman, the Seagrams heirs, who bluntly said, I think it's a cult. And he went on to tell Forbes that his daughters had lent Raneri and the group millions of dollars since joining.
0: Why would you loan them millions of dollars if you're already making all these money selling classes? I don't understand how this works. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, part of the millions of dollars were because Rineri kept losing money in commodities trades and because <gasps> he wanted property outside of Albany in a suburb. Like he, they were just funding his life.
0: Because he was a cult
2: leader. Mm hmm. And ex members began hinting at a darker side of the organization in this same article, telling Forbes that the courses break you down mentally and emotionally. The organization encourages separation from loved ones, and that Ranieri oddly greeted the women of Nexium with kisses on the mouth and had everyone call him Vanguard.
0: Oh, that is so gross. And oh, can you imagine like greeting your teacher slash life coach slash Spiritual leader. Oh, God. With a mouth kiss. And what the fuck does
2: Vanguard mean? Vanguard means like a group of people leading thought or leading the charge. So it's also interesting that he's calling himself a singular person, sort of a, a plural? plural. It's very weird. Weird. Yeah, so despite this report, Nexium keeps growing. Tens of thousands of people are taking their courses. Nexium centers are opening all over the world. And Ranieri gathered a nice group of high ranking members to all live near each other in an Albany suburb.
0: I'm really glad you brought up it's a suburb and not Albany proper because. Our executive producer Nora from Albany does not want to be associated. Right, with this. right. She's made it very clear that
2: they do not live in Albany proper. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And so throughout the years, there were defectors who came forward saying Nexium is harming its members, both mentally and financially. But these claims sort of went under the radar and weren't taken that seriously until 2012 when the Albany paper, The Times Union, published a four part series that blew the lid off of Nexium and their secretive practices. And side note, this is the expose that my friend called to tell me about, the one that made us realize, like, oh, shit, we were pitched a cult. So the Times Union exposed the fact that Ranieri basically kept a harem of women close by to tend to his every need. They paid for his life, drove him places, kept him fed, everything and former Nexium members told the paper that Rainieri was so controlling. He demanded the women in his inner circle style their hair a certain way. He liked it long and straight. And he demanded they keep very low calorie vegetarian diets that promoted extreme thinness, like dangerous thinness. And most disturbingly, the Times Union uncovered Raniere's decades-long history of sexual manipulation and assault. Turns out he had a history of sexual assault against minors even before starting Nexium, and that behavior continued once he became vanguard. He coerced his inner circle members to perform sex acts with him, claiming it would be therapeutic and help undo past trauma.
0: Oh my God, what a monster. Yeah. I mean, not surprising he needs all of his followers to be underweight if he has a record with underage girls mm, right I'm just yeah. gonna make sure that all Oof. of you are malnourished so your secondary sex characteristics disappear Ugh, and you look like underage girls that's and disgusting also when people are malnourished they can't really run away or clearly think as well right
2: it incapacitates them oh, in like many my God. ways yeah
0: what a fucking monster I hate yeah. this guy I hate yeah. him so much and so
2: despite all of this damning information coming to light in 2012 not much changed for another five years, not until 2017, when a very brave woman named Sarah Edmondson left Nexium and exposed a whole secret society of women being abused by Raneri and each other. It was awful. It started with Edmondson filing a complaint with the New York State Department of Health against Dr. Danielle Roberts. And remember her, she'll come back later. Dr. Danielle Roberts branded Sarah Edmondson with Keith Rainier's initials during a secret bonding ritual. And the Department of Health declined to investigate this at first, claiming that since Roberts wasn't acting as a doctor at the time of the branding, it wasn't really under their jurisdiction. But she was branding people. Right. I know. Oh, it was it's really disappointing. But Sarah Edmondson wanted to make it clear that this painful and traumatic experience was done under coercion, so she went to the New York Times, and they really blew the lid off things. The Times reported that there was a secret society of women being abused and coerced into getting branded with Ranieri's initials on their hips. So apparently there was this secret society called DOS, D-O-S, and it stood for some Latin phrase that when translated means master of female companions. So that name is questionable.
0: Oh, God. And this is just yet another example of we are a cult creating our own vocabulary. Yes. It's just like we're making up a bunch of nonsense words inside language and using that language to include, exclude, and oppress you,
2: right? Right, totally. And basically, DOS was pitched by word of mouth as the secret women's empowerment group that helped women become less weak and be better at keeping their word. And this is sort of based on the fact that Raniere thought all women by nature were weak-willed and just lacked integrity in
0: general. Mm, that's exactly who I want to follow around. Right, totally. And give my money to, yeah.
2: And what Edmondson told The Times... About the entrance fee to DOS was incredibly shocking. Apparently, there was collateral required, which is basically blackmail material. To enter DOS, you had to make a video of yourself saying something horrible about a family member that would like ruin their life if it came out. Whether or not it's true doesn't matter, or take naked photos. And that's how you got in. Ugh. Yeah. Once in DOS, women had to report their every move to their recruiter, or as DOS called it, their master. And The recruits, or slaves, as Doss called them, had to find other recruits of their own so they could then master them. And this is all done in the name of self-betterment. The slaves had to ask their master's permission before doing basically anything via text, like eating or going to bed, and they were expected to do whatever their master told them to do, like posing for more nude photos or perhaps having sex with Keith Raniere.
0: So this is a case of not just... Women being victimized by Ranieri, but then victimizing each other.
2: Right. They are, like, instructing each other to perform sex acts with renari They're instructing each other to not eat. He's basically roped other women into becoming abusers with him.
0: Yeah, that's... Very common in cults. We even saw a little bit of that when we were talking about the IBLP and the Duggars. Right, yeah. Who is continuing the culture, who's perpetuating, and so on. Uh, So were any of these women charged, actually, though?
2: Yes. Finally, Kristen. Surprisingly, two months after the Times expose, uh, the FBI decides to start investigating Nexium and Keith Raniere, along with some of the women from his inner circle slash DOS. And in 2018, Raneri was arrested and charged with sex trafficking and racketeering. And not long after that, five women who are high up in the organization were charged and arrested for a multitude of crimes, including racketeering, sex trafficking, forced labor, money laundering, and extortion, just to name a few. All of the women eventually pleaded guilty and were given kind of light sentences like probation and three to six years in prison.
0: And what about Keith Raniere himself, the vanguard? Well, he went to trial. He did
2: not plead guilty. He regrets nothing, according to his counsel. And in 2019, he was found guilty on all charges, including sexual exploitation of a minor, sex trafficking, forced labor, and racketeering, to name a few. And he was sentenced to 120 years in prison. So that's life in prison, because no one's living 120 years, especially at like 60.
0: Hopefully not him. Mhm. That's right, I said it. <laughs> oh, and Kristen, remember that doctor who branded
2: the women that the Department of Health was like fine no fine giving a pass to? Yeah. She's why Nexium has been in the news recently. In late 2021, she finally got her medical license revoked for using a cauterizing pen to carve Vaniere's initials into the pelvic area of 17 women. Oh, God. And girl had the balls to appeal this decision, insisting that since she wasn't acting as a medical doctor at the time, she shouldn't lose her right to practice. But just a handful of weeks ago, her appeal was turned down by the New York State Court of Appeals, the highest court that appeal can go to, and she will not be able to practice medicine.
0: Thank you, New York State Court of Appeals. Better late than never. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (sighs) Well, Jolenta, one thing I am really curious about are the people who were seduced by this, the people who decided this is something I want to do. And you yourself said you were one of those people that if you could have afforded it, you would have been seduced into this. Right. So I would love to know more about that. Well,
2: actually, Kristen, we are going to have a really special guest in our feedback episode who can give you some more insight into your curiosity.
0: Ooh, I can hardly wait for that because that really is that big question I always have. Why yeah. would somebody want to be a part of this abusive cult? Why? I understand people ending up in abusive situations because it's your family, it's your workplace, and so on. But I guess I don't really understand choosing to join and then choosing to perpetuate that against others. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to next week. I'm sure all the listeners are.
2: So stay tuned. Next week, hot, hot, hot interview.
0: Before then, though. Listeners, tell us, what are your thoughts on Nexium? Have you ever accidentally joined what you thought was a betterment group that was actually more of a cult? Share your story with us at Kristen and Jolenta at gmail.com or weigh in on facebook.com slash groups slash and Coming up, a letter writer wants advice on how to be a productive adult. Stay with us. We are back with our first letter of the day. Jolenta, what do they have to say? Our
2: letter writer says, Dear Kristen Angelenta, I've been very lazy lately, and I know I'm not working as hard as I could or should be. I'm self-employed and recognize that my procrastination and poor habits are negatively affecting my income. I've read Atomic Habits and I'm currently reading The Power of Habit, but neither is giving me the swift kick in the pants I need to be a productive adult.
0: Any recommendations? Oh, letter writer. We feel your pain here because Jolenta and I are both at this point considered self-employed. Even though we make the show with Stitcher, we are contractors. And all of the other work we do, we are essentially contractors who are self-employed. And I'll also say this, a lot of people I know who are not technically self-employed, but working from home deal Mm. with this as well right now. Right. You know, learning to adjust how they work, especially in the era of the pandemic, people who've never had to work from home before. So I think this question is something that a lot of people feel like, yes, that could be me. That could be a letter I would write myself.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. My first piece of advice comes from my new therapist. (gasps) Uh, already starting to quote her, guys.
0: I love your new therapist. Your new therapist is coming up with so much good advice, Jolenta. I love your she new therapist. She loves
2: homework, and I love it. One of the things she has recently advised me to do is, if you have sort of a running to-do list, if you put something off for two days, you have to write a journal page about that thing. <gasps> Whoa. And so... Either you're confronting like, whoa, why am I not writing that article? You're like, I'm afraid of success. whoa, Or you're like, I'm not going to journal a page about folding laundry. I'll just do it. (laughs) So that one's been very cool to, to play around with.
0: Oh, that's a good one, Jolenta. That's really, really good and when it comes to to-do
2: lists keep them manageable you can have sort of like a brain dump to-do list of like all the things you ever need to get done like house repairs and things you can put off forever but your daily to-do list should be manageable and like easily check-offable like put brush your teeth put take a shower put get dressed because checking all those things off when you do them Gives you a little boost of feeling like you succeeded, and seeing all those checks, at least for me, helps motivate me to do the harder stuff that's on the list as well.
0: I like all of that, and I do a lot of those things myself. Jolanta, you know I love my list. I cross off my list. I add to my list. I move portions of my list to the next day and the next day and the next day, much to your therapist's chagrin, probably. Mm -hmm. I also have learned to do a few other things over the years that have helped me to be productive. Because as you know, Jolenta, when I first started being self-employed, it was not easy for me. I was lonely. I didn't know how to organize all of my time. I had to self-regulate myself. And so I started doing a few different things. Some of these are tips that you gave me, Jolenta. And one of the things is just to have a routine. If you can start having a routine as soon as possible, that can help. So, for example, the first two things on my to-do list every day are take a walk and do my physical therapy. And I don't have those things on my list on the weekends. On the weekends, if I walk around, it's for Not to cross off a list, it's just, you know, I like to take a walk. But during the week, I put the walk on the list and the physical therapy because that starts off my day doing things that make me feel like, oh, that wasn't hard to do. It was fun. And I got to listen to podcasts, it was enjoyable, but it gave me that boost that you're talking about, Jolenta. And then it starts my routine for the rest of the day. So a routine has been very helpful for me. Something else that is very, very helpful even more so than the routine, is making sure I have both deadlines and accountability. So I don't know what kind of work you do, letter writer, but if you have clients like Jolanta and I do, asking those clients for a deadline or telling them up front, I will have this delivered to you by Friday, and telling everybody up front as soon as the task is set out to write it in an email. That way, you already said you have to be accountable by that date. Jalanta, you and I both love deadlines, so I find that that works really well for me, is just to have it in writing, like, all right, great, I will have this to you by this date. Another thing, maybe just getting out of your home. So a lot of us, our houses are not for productivity. They're for relaxation. They're for fun. They're for friends. They're for watching TV. They're for having sex. Our houses are for lots of other things. And maybe your house just is not the best place for you to work. So – If you can afford to have a co-working space, if you can afford to go to a cafe every day, if there's another place that you can work that doesn't force you to blur the lines between home is pleasure and I don't want to work in my pleasure place, that can be very helpful just to change your setting. So again, that is a routine, that is setting up deadlines, and that is maybe changing your location. Oh, and one last thing if you're somebody who works best with accountability, try getting an accountability partner. And uh, the accountability partner can be a person. It can be one of those apps that exist. There are different apps out there. It can be different groups that you work with. You know, There are different support groups sort of things out there for people who all work from home where you just check in with each other and every week you report, this is what I'm setting out to do. And then at the end of the week saying, this is what I finished. So, you might need an accountability group or an accountability app or an accountability partner to help as well. So those are some of my suggestions. I love those suggestions. Letter writer
2: just know you're not alone. And hopefully some of these tips will help give you that swift kick in the pants you've been talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it may take a little while. It wasn't overnight for me. It took me months and months and months to feel like I had a routine going. It may be the same for you, but we have faith in you. We know you're going to get there.
2: We are going to take a quick break, but before we do, we would be so grateful if you took a moment to rate us and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. When you do that, it helps us know what you think about the show, and it helps other people find the show.
0: So give it a go. Coming up, a letter writer is struggling with FOMO.
2: We are back with our second letter of the day. Kristen, would
0: you take it away? Yes. Our second letter writer says, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I'm a 26-year-old woman trying to be a writer. My writing has been rejected by many online publications, and I was recently hit with multiple rejections from MFA programs that I had my heart set on. This occurred at the same time I found out that a fellow writer who I attended undergrad with got a book deal. I can't help but feel stifled, insecure, and defeated. I've made many strides in feeling more secure in my life, self, and choices. However, I still find that I'm often riddled with fear of missing out and feelings of intense comparison to others in a particular sceny social world. I already do not have social media, which is a major help in not going down the comparison rabbit hole. But there is still a lot of media that I do see and enjoy reading and watching that makes me feel like I'm not where I want to be. For example, New York Magazine's recent It Girl issue. The feelings that arise are tied to my feelings of inadequacy as a writer. I feel embarrassed for wanting recognition as a writer and embarrassed for wanting to be cool But at the same time, I can't help but feel jealous of people getting success, media attention, and so on. I suppose my question is, how do I let go of FOMO and comparing myself to others?
2: Oh, letter writer. You are so young. You are an actual baby. (laughs) You have so many years to be successful. I just want you to know that, first of all.
0: Yes, 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 yes.
2: And this is coming from someone who got rejected from basically every MFA program they applied to. I feel you. And I know what it's like to feel like you're just sort of sitting there being like, what do I do next? And everyone's rushing by being like, I'm so successful. But that's not actually what's happening. Those people getting success so young are anomalous and they're not like taking anything away from your potential success like there's time for everyone when I was in high school I was so upset because I already knew I wanted to be an actor, a performer of some kind. And there was this guy from the grade below me who was plucked out of obscurity and cast in a Gus Van Sant film, like starring in it. And I was like, oh, no, he's taking my spot as someone from like this sort of circle of people like he's taking the successful actor spot and like, I'll never have my chance But, you know, that's not true. I may not be an actor in a Gus Van Sant film, but I am performing in my own way and feel very happy with where I am in my career. So getting success and notoriety that early is not the norm. And you still have plenty of time to make your mark.
0: Yes. Jolenta, I think everything you said there is 100% spot on. It's so easy at 26 to think... You should have it figured out by now. But your brain literally just got done cooking last year. You know, you were up until last year, according to scientists, not a fully developed adult yet. You were still a child with a child brain. And to expect one year into adulthood to have fame, to have magazine stories, to be published, it's expecting an awful lot. And as far as getting into MFA programs, So many successful writers, people we celebrate and love today, like Stephen King, never went to an MFA program. MFA programs, they're very hard to get into. They accept about 1% to 2% of people, and they don't guarantee success. So many people who are great writers never went to one. If you want to be a great writer, my advice is write. You can join writing groups to get feedback. You can have a support system of other writers who are not in MFA programs. MFA programs offer a couple of things. They offer you people who will give you feedback, which is a great gift. They offer you deadlines, another great thing. And they offer you connections. You can get all three of those things in other ways if you want to.
2: It also seems like you have some good connections if the people around you are such good writers and, and gaining so much success. It's a good opportunity to like, even though it's difficult, try to be happy for them because a lot of people sort of come up in their friend groups together.
0: That is all very valid. I mean, a high tide lifts all ships, right?
2: That's what I was trying to say.
0: Yes. <laughs> and by that we mean it's like when one person in your group is getting ahead, they'll bring all of you along with. So You already have some of those connections there is what Jolenta is getting at. And also, as far as these it girl lists, these 30 under 30 lists, I do want to point out something that is well known by those of us who are over 30. Most people get on those lists because they were already rich, well connected, because mom or dad worked at a Fortune 500 company, because somebody in some circle knew somebody who submitted a name. They're friends with the person who wrote the list. Yes. And it's also extremely, extremely easy to get on that list if you had certain advantages that 99% of people don't have. So if you're part of the 99% of us, congratulations, you're not on the list. You're just like the rest of us. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that that's a well-known fact that if you're on one of those lists, it probably just means you were rich and well-connected. That's all. It doesn't mean you're more talented. It doesn't mean you're a better writer. It doesn't mean you're cooler. It doesn't mean any of those things. And then, can we just talk about FOMO a little bit, Jolenta? Yes, please. So FOMO, I think a lot of us have felt it at various points in our lives, and I have a few different thoughts on that. One, what is the thing you're really afraid of missing out on? Sometimes the FOMO feelings hit, and maybe what you're really missing out on isn't that experience that you're seeing or that fame that that person has. Maybe what you're really missing out on is you don't feel confident or admired in life. And maybe that's something to work on more with a therapist. Like, I just don't feel confident. I look at these photos of people who look confident. I see these profiles of people in these articles and they look confident. I want to feel confident. I want to feel worth admiring. And everybody's worth admiring. Everybody on this planet has something admirable in them. And you have it too. And maybe that's something to maybe discuss with a therapist if that's something that is a real challenge for you. Or maybe those feelings are telling you you're not spending enough time doing things that genuinely make you happy that are not about appearances. Sometimes when we get caught up in the appearances of others, and then we start thinking about our own appearance, what really needs to happen is we need to just Forget about appearances entirely and just do what feels genuinely good to us. Maybe what feels really good to me is having a really dorky Thursday night reality show night with a friend in Minnesota and we call each other on the phone and talk to each other while we simultaneously watch Love is Blind. Maybe <laughs> what I really need in my life is more joy like that. Maybe what I really want is something that's not about appearances at all. So I, I would just encourage you to think about that too.
2: Right. Right. And another thing to remember about FOMO is that feelings are not facts. That's yes. that's from my old therapist <laughs> and I think lots of therapists And when you start feeling that FOMO rising, this is what I have to do to myself. And I feel FOMO a ton as someone who still has to, you know, be COVID conscious in a world that isn't like, I feel like I'm missing out on a bunch. But what you have to remind yourself is feelings aren't facts. And you have plenty of time. You can feel the FOMO and try to have a little convo with yourself and be like, is this true? Kind of not really. I'm really young. So I think I have plenty of time. And then you can go that feeling probably not factual.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, if you ever get something published, even if you're 58 or 86, you got something published. It doesn't have to happen right now. You can be on your deathbed and say, I was a published writer. And it doesn't have to happen at 26 for you to do that great thing. There's lots of time to do great things, and that's not the only great thing you're going to do. You're going to do so many other great things, too. We know you are. Totally.
2: And that's it for this episode of How to Be Fine. Huge thank you to our executive producer, Nora Ritchie, our producer, Chantel Holder, and our composer slash engineer, Casey
0: Holford reminder, you can always weigh in on the conversation at facebook.com slash groups slash Kristen Angelenta or write to us at Kristen at gmail.com with comments or to ask for advice. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at howtobefinepod. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenda Greenberg. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Until next week, stay fine.
1: this is a big year the ohio lottery's golden anniversary 50 years of excitement of growing jackpots and crossed fingers 50 years of funding for schools of changed lives and brightened days 50 years of fun and that is worth celebrating